So this is officially our one year anniversary episode because we started this podcast on January 4th, 2021. So that sounds wrong because 2021 is not a year in my mind yet. Even though we just lived through it. <laughs> well, that's right. I believe. No, you're you're right. That is the date. I'm going to go back and double check. But it still sounds... I trust myself. Wrong. Okay, let's see. January 4th, 2021. I just can't 2020 talk. 2020, 2021. <laughs> um, anyway, we have produced 28 episodes. We've released only 28 episodes. Pathetic. Um, it is a little <laughs> sad for a full year, but also, sadly, we can't do this full time. No, it's because more we than. We have to work. It's more than every other week, which is. We could just do every other week since we've already set. Isn't that, that what we did? No, we were doing every week. In the beginning. Oh, I'm thinking every other week because of when you were gone for three months. That was, it was, was, every, that other was every other week. I mean, we'll see how we can do this year, depending on your work, since you're out of town a lot more now. Mm-hmm. But we'll just try and record more in advance, and I'll get better about actually um, doing research mm-hmm. on time. Um, but yeah, so we've been doing this podcast for a year now, and... Still haven't upgraded <laughs> to new equipment, but it's fine. Nobody wants to sponsor us to get us new equipment anyway. Tisk tisk. Pretty rude, if you ask me. <laughs> um. So we did. Did we do anything special for this episode? I don't think so. Anything special? Well, yeah, because we did like the Halloween special, and we did like cool spooky stories for it. Um, no, it's but just, just, this is just, uh, Iowa. <laughs> I feel like mine's kind of long. It might be a long episode. Anyway, uh, I forced Sadie to get this recorded so we could have a one-year anniversary episode out. Okay, do we have any banter at all besides, um, us talking about this being our one year? Or that you, like, bought a house or have a new cat or... Oh, I suppose I could uh, say that. <laughs> Yeah, so we have a cat now, which I haven't posted him on Instagram yet, but also I haven't taken a lot of pictures, just videos of Mm -hmm. him. So me and Drew got a cat, and his name is Alistair, which means it's, it's, um, let's see here. Alistair is a high-ranking archdemon, 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 I already can't read. (laughs) Great. Um, it's been one year and I still am illiterate. What's up, I'm 19? <laughs> What's up, I'm Jared, I'm 19, and I never learned how to read. <laughs> anyway, Alistair is a high-ranking archdemon. I said arch again, didn't I? Mm-hmm. Archdemon. <laughs> <laughs> and the chief executioner to the monarch of hell. One of his epithets is the evil genius of the household. And I thought that was a good name for a cat, so... Which is really funny, because he's the nicest, friendliest little creature in the world. He is so sweet. He literally has no evil in him at all. Unlike me. <laughs> um, okay. And then we also bought a house, which we're trying to make look nicer because it's pretty outdated on the inside. And I after went... today, it just feels like we're in the movie The Money Pit. 
Um, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> hey, that's not that bad. All the surfaces just need to be made new. <laughs> it was raining in the kitchen today. Um, yeah, don't use that particular shower. Exactly. <laughs> I am not. I'm, and the, I'm, the I'm worst feeling thing is, Ill. is it has to do with the people who are trying to remodel it before you. It's not the house is broken. It's the people who re- tried to remodel it before you were just Straight that bad at their job. Yeah, so we bought it because these people were trying to, like, flip it to sell it and everything, and the people did a terrible job at everything. So, now we're trying to go in and DIY make everything nicer, which is already... I think we've already done more than they even did when they... You scraped almost all the popcorn ceilings yeah. in, like, Popcorn ceilings, gotta go. Get out of here. This is now a home improvement um, podcast, <laughs> and I won't tell you about popcorn ceiling and spraying it and scraping it off and how it gets in your eyes, which is what's happening to me right now. It's in my eyelashes, I believe. Um, that means your eyelashes are doing their job. I know. Anyway, so I'll keep everyone updated <laughs> on how that goes. But today was pretty rough, I've got to say. Two Home Depot trips. That was two Home Depot trips and a Lowe's trip. And Lowe's? Yeah, the guys all went to Lowe's because they needed to get that thing to get that strip screw out of the door. I didn't even know that. It took four men the entire <laughs> afternoon to replace the doorknob. Yeah, the front doorknob. Yep. They oh, did it. Oh it's done. Gosh, I am depressed. <laughs> All right. Is it seasonal depression or is it home virus depression? I don't know. I don't know, but all of the... Uh, Only time will tell. All the baseboards are moved. So yep. that's really nice. That is nice. Gosh, it took them so long to get that doorknob in. I think I usually Alrighty. just want to be done. You're in for a treat. Because I'm going first. Okay. So, this story, I don't really have a name for it. Um, so Jamie McMahon and Chris Kaufman. Oh, by the way, we're doing stories from Iowa. Yeah. I don't think we said that yet. Have we done Iowa before? Um, no, I don't think so. I think we just kept on planning to do Iowa. And planning to do Iowa. And planning to do Iowa. Well, because we (laughs) researched Velisca. And then we realized we want to make that, like, a big whole That's going to be a long, in-depth about railroad, rail, railroad-based murders. Serial killers. Yeah. Anyway, that'll be a long, uh, a lot of researching that I will make Sadie do because I don't read books. <laughs> if I'm being honest, <laughs> audiobooks, okay. Real books, my eyes don't work to read them. I think you're probably just dyslexic. Most likely. Because I am. Because I don't think I needed reading glasses ever in my life. No, I don't. I think Because just they dyslexic. gave me headaches. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just stupid. Uh, no, I'm just Jared and I'm 19 and I just never learned how to read. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll just keep saying that today because now it's stuck in my head. Okay, so it's about those two people. Okay. I got my information from APnews.com, TampaBay.com, and Oxygen.com. And also, just a heads up to Oxygen.com, who I believe is connected to the TV channel. You had a lot of typos in this article, and it really, uh, <laughs> it really bothered me. 
Because they were, like, stupid things mm-hmm. that if you literally would have gone back yourself one time and checked your work, you, you would have seen it. Yeah. If you're... I mean, here I am, illiterate, as you can tell by how I've talked the whole time since <laughs> I started this episode, but I still noticed. All right, so we're going to start off with a quote. There's a lot of quotes in here because it's a... Oxygen interviewed the people for, I guess, a show that they, or a special, whatever they were releasing. I didn't watch it because I didn't have enough time last night because I was tired. And every time I watch something and read articles, it ends up being like two hours of me just talking. So Mm -hmm. I didn't do it. Anyway, so here's a quote from one of the sheriffs. I didn't write down the sheriff's names because all these quotes are right in the articles if you want to find out who it is. But anyway, so here's a quote. This is rural Iowa. Murders don't murders don't take place and banks rarely get robbed. Mahaska County is one of the safest counties in the state of Iowa. It's just filled with good people. Iowa people. They call it Iowa nice. Which I've been to Iowa many times and I've never heard someone say Iowa nice. Our grandmother's from Iowa. Has she ever said it? No. Didn't think so. That's what I'm saying. We have some first-hand, like, Well, no, like, experience. we're there constantly. Yeah. And I've never heard someone say that, but I'm not saying they don't. I'm just saying I haven't heard it. Anyway, <laughs> on June 11th, 1997, police were contacted by a farmer and landlord, Joe Hollop, in the town of What Cheer, Iowa. What Cheer? What Cheer? What cheer? This like, sounds like oh, Whoville. It's literally cheer. two separate words. What and cheer. I thought you said what cheer, which is no. not the same thing as what cheer. What cheer. Oh, what cheer. It's a very strange name, and I've never heard of that, but anyway. Um, <laughs> where is, is that? I didn't look it up. I mean, you said, you I said the county. To... I don't know where that county is. No, I thought to look it up, and then I forgot. So his employee slash tenant, Barb Garber age 52 had uncharacteristically not shown up for work that morning so the police went by her house to check in on her and when they got to the home around 9 30 a.m they found the door unlocked and barb sitting in a chair with her breakfast in reach shot twice in the head and twice in the chest oh my gosh (laughs) which for like iowa like small towny murders like that's pretty Mm -hmm. like shocking oh yeah so, they found 22 caliber shell casings nearby and noticed her green Dodge pickup truck was missing. A neighbor said they had seen a strange car in her driveway around 5.15 a.m. And um, they said they thought it was a gray station wagon, um, which led police to speculate that there were two sus- at least two suspects involved if, you know, they showed up in one car and left with another and the other one was gone too mm-hmm. um as the police were just starting to investigate barb's murder they heard over the radio that gibson bank just eight miles away had been robbed of sixty five thousand dollars by two white men in ski masks and coveralls shortly after 10 a.m what the heck is happening so <laughs> of course no one thought this was a coincidence because that would just be, like, the wildest day in Iowa history, I feel like, if that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, not really. I just don't know a lot about Iowa. <laughs> I would do crime, I guess. Um, 
So, but that's like a lot for that county, I should say. Uh, a crazy that, day in that that's county. That's a lot for any place in rural America. Yes. <laughs> so a 10-year-old, yeah, the 10-year-old girl saw the bank, the car that they drove up in and said it was a blue sedan, which was not either car that was seen at the crime scene earlier. So they mm-hmm. thought that was a little bit weird, but. But was she right? They just don't know. So there, I guess there were no cameras in town because 97 is kind of late in the game. Whatever happens there that they need cameras. Now this. Petty theft. um, Catch the sticky fingers. Sticky, what would they call that guy? What? At that gas station in South Dakota. (gasps) Oh, what did they call him? That was so funny. I think it was Sticky Fingers or something like that. I think it was. But they only called him Sticky Fingers. Yes. Like, his nickname around town was Sticky Fingers. So that's what they would have cameras for. It's him. Just for Sticky specifically. Fingers. Yeah. So, uh, there are only three roads that lead out of Gibson. So, they sent deputies out to search for any of those three cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and along those roads, they found the sedan abandoned on a gravel road. So, the girl was right. <laughs> She's not going to lie. Um, the officer who found it recognized it as belonging to a Gibson resident. Um, I think her name's Island. Her name is Island? Yes. Because it's literally spelled as Island. Okay. But I don't know. Maybe they call her Island or something. I, We're gonna go I Island. Yeah. Um, Schultz is her last name when she was, um, 18. So, by 11 a.m., authorities went to the Schultz residence, unsure if she was our participant or a victim, but they were concerned for her safety and, you know, well-being and everything. Mm -hmm. So, they entered the home, um, because I I think they knocked and no one answered or something, so I guess they just went in because the door is probably unlocked because it's Isla. Yep. So, they entered the home and her body was found in her living room. She had also been shot. But she had been shot in the back of the head and her forehead. There were also... They shot her from the front and the back? Yeah. Isn't that weird? Was it two people? Did we'll they get there. hit each other? We will get there. <laughs> so, there were also twenty-two caliber shell casings on the floor, and once again, no one thought this was a coincidence either, that there's now two murders in town and mm-hmm. a bank robbery. Where did she work? Does it ever say? No. Okay. It just says they found her at the house. Yeah. So, a neighbor said that they had seen a green pickup truck parked outside the house around 9.30 a.m. So, the police held a press conference to explain the crimes to the public on the afternoon of June 11th and immediately got a tip from a man who saw resident Jamie McMahon driving the pickup that day, which he was certain the unemployed 22-year-old could not afford. <laughs> Which is something that only people in small towns would know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, there goes that McMahon boy. No way. That's his car. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, you're probably like, what in the world? Mm-hmm. Where did he get that? So McMahon and his stepbrother, Chris Kaufman, 18, um, were not new to the police scene, shall we say. Um, so they're the reason that they need <laughs> cameras in cameras town. In town. So the local police knew them as, quote, typical teenage boys. Mm-hmm. And there's no more information on that. So You know, typical teenage boys. Petty theft. 
a little bit of a you know drugs some fights murder, in the street apparently. some murder some bank robbing maybe <laughs> we'll find out <laughs> so uh, here's a little bit of like history backstory into the boys so mcmahon's mother and kaufman's father got together in 1979 and eventually married so the boys grew up together in oskaloosa iowa a childhood friend said, quote, We had a group of about 30 kids who ran the streets together. We were like a bicycle group, bicycle gang. We were terrors. <laughs> he doesn't say what age they were when this happened, so I don't know. But McMahon was known to be the outgoing, charismatic, and attractive older brother, while Kaufman was a quiet, non-athletic kid, um, more known as the dweeb around town. <laughs> Which, this just sounds like the premise of Jake and Drake and Josh to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, no, it does. So this is, I just think it's kind of funny. Anyway, so around the time of all these crimes, Kaufman had just graduated high school with few prospects and a group of friends who weren't the best role models. And McMahon had recently lost his job at a local plant. By the start of the summer, the two stepbrothers were starting to develop a closer relationship um, and 22-year-old McMahon was hanging out with 18-year-old Kaufman and his high school-age friends. Which I guess... I don't know. It didn't seem very weird to me. But I don't know, like, what age the Kauf Kaufman's friends are, I mm -hmm. guess. If they're, like, freshmen. What age they are. Then that's what... weird. But also, like, but also what's the population they... in the town like? Yeah, I don't know. Was, there might have been no people around that were Well, yeah, because then you're friends with everybody that's yeah, exactly. even relatively close to your age. So I don't know. So, back to the crime. So, the day after the press conference, state investigators went to the boys' house and asked their parents about the boys' whereabouts, who they hung out with, you know, etc., etc., whatever. Um, their parents said they didn't know much about McMahon's friends, because I don't know if he actually, like, had any adult friends. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, at least, like, 20-year-old and up, not, like, you yeah. know, the high school friends or whatever. But knew that he had been hanging out with his brother often. So that's all mm -hmm. the information they really knew, I guess. Which is kind of weird because I don't know if the brothers lived on their own at this point. Or if they still lived at the house. No clue. They never said. So their parents gave the numbers of friends they did know um, to the police. And they learned some new information after calling all of these people. Because Aww. I guess their friends are snitches. <laughs> Um, a which is good, but you know, you know, um, a childhood friend said that in the last year, the two brothers started, um, wait, what was I saying? Oh, they learned some new information, blah, blah, blah. So this friend said that the two brothers started getting into meth. He said that, quote, all the kids that I knew in the town of Oskaloosa were either on it, making it, selling it. And if you didn't. You were few and far between. How fun. Um, so that's another reason to have cameras. <laughs> also, like, grand. what kids are making meth? The 22-year-old one, like, Audrey. I mean, I guess, but, like, that's not kids. That's adults. Because <laughs> he said that and I was like, people. no, he said that and I was like, are there 16-year-olds down, like, in the basement making, making meth? meth? <laughs> I'm like, what? That is not what I experienced in high school. That's all I gotta say. Let's see. Well, also, it wasn't an old person that said it, Sadie. It was a friend of the brothers. Mm -hmm. 
So that's kind of disturbing. Anyway, uh, keep an eye on your kids in Oskaloosa, I guess. Don't let them turn your basement into a meth lab. In addition to learning of the brother's drug use, the investigators also learned that McMahon had borrowed a friend's gray station wagon in May Mm -hmm. and returned it on June 11th. So they also found out that from the same friend, he had borrowed, but not yet returned, the the um, a twenty two caliber handgun. Mm-hmm. Also, I where do you get friends like that? Who <laughs> <laughs> lets you borrow their car from literally May to June? Mm-hmm. And also a gun. And also a gun. And just is like, not yep, at all. Just suspicious. get it back to me when you can. <laughs> Definitely nothing nefarious going on there. I mean, good friend, good friend. Anyway, so on <laughs> the friends probably like talking to the police. Yeah, I mean, I let him borrow my car and gun for a while. He hasn't brought that back yet, but he brought the car. <laughs> um, okay, let's see. So, on June 12th, authorities announced after matching the shell casings in Garber's... Yeah, that's her last name. Garber's and Schultz's murders that the boys were suspects. Good. Schultz's family and friends said that they knew both of them, and... Because the boys were both friends with Island. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, even the grandma had, like, met them and everything. But also, like, it's a small town, so it's not strange they knew each other. Yeah. I don't know why they added that in the article. Well, maybe the person who's writing the article does not understand the concept of a small town. Good possibility. Um, so, on June 13th, two local families contacted the police and told them that their 16- and 17-year-old daughters, Mandy Smith and Amanda Miller had been missing for several days. And the parents were sure that their daughters were with Kaufman and McMahon. Um, This was confirmed by a tip from a local hotel employee who had seen the boys with two girls at the hotel around the same time of the murders. Or, or no, not the same time. Around the time of the murders. So, like, mm-hmm. that day, the 11th. He said they'd arrived in a gray station wagon, but the boys came back to pick up the girls in a cream pickup. Where is this? Oskaloosa? A hotel near um, the town. I don't know if it's in the town or just, like, near it. I was going to say, I don't think there's a hotel in what year, so. <laughs> He's a little baby down. Sorry, my ears are itching. It's them allergies. Okay. So... Now, we fast forward a couple days. On June 21st, the girls' parents called back, and their daughters had returned home safely. In interviews with the police, the teen girls said that they had partied with McMahon and Kaufman at the hotel on the night of June 10th. The boys left in the morning, but picked them up around noon in a green pickup truck with a bunch of cash. So... The boys said that they wanted to drive to Florida and check out the theme parks with the girls. And I guess they just agreed. I'm hoping they were, like, actually knew these guys more than a day. I don't know. Anyway, so I guess they agreed. And for several days, McMahon and Kaufman spent um, the cash like crazy. Mm -hmm. They even stopped in Branson, Missouri. I'm assuming they go to Silver Dollar City. Yeah, yeah, I assume if they're they're just going to hit theme parks that are on the way. But by the time they got to Disney World in Orlando, the girls wondered how they'd actually gotten the money. Mm-hmm. And when they asked McMahon, told them that he'd robbed a bank and two people had been killed. Fun. So, 
just wait two people yeah we talked about the second person or was something during the bank robbery no we talked about the first thing i talked about was the older woman yes and then island oh i forgot island was dead yes (laughs) because we kept talking about her (laughs) um okay so this disturbed the girls as it should um Uh, so much so that they said they wanted to go back home and instead of taking them home mcmahon dropped off the girls in an orange grove in Kissimmee, Florida? Yeah, Kissimmee. Um, threw cash at them and drove off. At least they gave him money. And then the girls took a train back to Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, why it were you killing like they got these other people? Half of a free trip. They did. I mean, and they didn't die. Yeah. So it wound up pretty good for them. Well, I'm like, why? You told them what happened, They're and then willing you leave to them kill. alive, and then you leave them money when you ditch mm-hmm. them on the side of the road because they want to go home. Maybe they liked the girls. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just weird. I don't know. No, the the fact that they're willing to kill those so, two people and not these two. So the girls are home safe, and now you know the police know have a lead as to where the boys just last were. <laughs> uh huh. Which it's like. Did they think they wouldn't tell anyone? It, that's why I'm like, why? If why would you, you not have killed them if caught, you wanted to get Yeah, that's, it. I don't know. Because you're so far away now. Yes. And no one would have ever no. found you. Most likely, if, I don't know. But anyway, so, America's Most Wanted did a segment on the boys in late June of 1997. And it aired twice and resulted in a tip on June 30th from a woman in Pensacola mm-hmm. who recognized the truck. So the Pensacola police found it parked behind a a hotel, and hotel staff confirmed the boys were there. And I don't know if it's because they recognized the pictures or if they used their real names, like dummies. Not sure. Who knows? Um, and the hotel staff also said that they were with a third person. Oh, they found a new person. So. The Pensacola police called in its SWAT team and a hostage negotiator, and they called the boys' room. The third person picked up the phone, mm-hmm. um, and the negotiator said that the person who picked up the phone said he was a hitchhiker <laughs> who got picked up by the boys uh-huh. and said that they had been doing copious amounts of drugs, alcohol, and just having a party. So then... Quote, Jamie McMahon grabbed the phone and started yelling at the hostage negotiator. Mm-hmm. No one says, like, what they talked about or anything, but eventually McMahon released a hitchhiker, mm-hmm. which I don't think he was having him hostage. I think they were just having a I think they were having a good time, time. together, yeah. <laughs> um, and it then sounds let... like the hitchhiker had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, I don't think anyone's being kept there, you know, at gunpoint, like, mm-hmm. you have to do these drugs mm-hmm. right now. Um, so then he let Kaufman leave and finally gave himself up. So police entered the hotel room and found $29,000 in cash, cash, which was less than half of what they had stolen 19 days before and a 22 caliber handgun. So they were literally just spending money like crazy. Yeah. So Kaufman eventually confessed. He said that the two decided to rob the bank for money to pay for their meth habit. Cute. Mm-hmm. But the day before, they saw Garber driving her pickup, which was the kind of car that McMahon 
had been wanting, apparently. Mm-hmm. His dream car, I guess. Mm-hmm. So they followed her home, and McMahon told Kaufman they'd use her pickup to commit the robbery. Mm-hmm. So they had literally already made this plan, and poor Barb drives by. And they're like, I want that car, too. They're like, actually, we're we'll it. throw this in the deal. So the next morning, they used a ruse to... Um, about needing Garber's phone to get inside. Mm-hmm. And once they were inside, McMahon told Kaufman he had to kill Garber in order to prove himself. <laughs> um, so he did. Um, the police asked him if he felt bad about doing this, and his response was, quote, No, not really. It just was... It's just what it is. And I read that, like, five times over and over again, and it just didn't make sense mm-hmm. to me. So... It's not a great reason. I don't... I don't think killing someone is... Just it's just what, what it, is. it is. Anyway. But they didn't have I to I think happen. he would have had future problems down the road regardless oh, if this was so, his yeah. brother or not. But anyway. So they took Garber's pickup and McMahon decided he wanted to keep it after the robbery. So he told Kaufman that they needed another car. Because two just wasn't enough. So, they thought of Island Schultz, and the two drove over there. So, Kaufman told McMahon that he wasn't going to shoot her, too. So, McMahon shot her in the back of her head, and then in her forehead, and took her car. So, I guess he... They entered the home. She was walking, you know, whatever, leading him to the living room or Mm -hmm. something, because they were friends. And he shot her in the back of her head, and then probably shot her in the forehead, just to make sure. Mm -hmm. So, I just don't understand... Why you had to kill both people instead of just taking their car? To prove himself, Audrey, he said. I know. For, no for... one said that was a good reason. He to was probably pr- high on meth. To prove what? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> They're robbing the bank <laughs> to pay for their meth habit. <laughs> Is meth even expensive? I don't know, Audrey. <laughs> don't think... Why would I know the price of meth? <laughs> Well, meth isn't a drug you think of when you think of, like, an expensive party drug. That's fair. My meth, I'm, like, thinking so you give them, like, a handful of change and they just give you a bag of meth. I don't, I don't think that's true. I think, I think you do have to pay Clearly, money. <laughs> a handful of change is money. Clearly, I do not know anything about any drugs. <laughs> anyway, so. They could just learn how to make it themselves. <laughs> if everyone else in town's doing it. Why not be one of them? Surely I know somebody who's willing to teach them. (sighs) But you're not supposed to get high off your own supply, which is why you trade with other people who also make it. (laughs) That's true. You could. But, you know, they clearly weren't smart enough to think about that. Anyway, so... um... So, an Iowa sheriff, when asked about the boys, said, quote, I guess they didn't use very much common sense in my opinion. (laughs) Which is basically what we just said. Anyway, so the boys were extradited back to Iowa to stand trial. The lawyer representing the boys who were charged with federal counts of aggravated robbery and carjacking Mm -hmm. and two state counts of first degree murder negotiated a plea to help them avoid the death penalty. So instead they received life uh, life in prison sentences. Wait. It says they received life sentences in federal court and consecutive life sentences in state court. Cool. 
I guess for leaving the state. Hmm. What? The federal? Federal? I don't know. They held somebody sort of hostage in Florida. So, yeah. I know, but I don't. That's not even one of the charges. I think once you cross state lines running from a case, that makes it federal immediately. Because the other state police, I don't think, are allowed to deal with it. Yeah. Anyway, so these sentences guaranteed that they would never get out of prison. Well, yeah, because they finish their federal sentence and they just go to the state one. Yeah. So McMahon did not. In November 2017, 20 years after his conviction, Jamie McMahon killed himself in his cell at a federal prison in Florence, Colorado. And Federal Bureau of Prison Records indicate that Kaufman remains incarcerated in McCreary Federal Prison in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the end of my story. So... I have never heard of that story. I haven't either. Yeah. It's a lot of twists and turns, I feel yeah. like. And also, fun. the one thing I'm disappointed about is I looked for more information at what happened at the bank. And there was, like, no information Nothing. about what happened at the bank? It's just, I mean, I get the murders are, like, definitely more, should be covered more, because it's, you know, two people oh, died. yeah. But I want to know, like, what did they do when they got into the bank? Like, how did how these two idiots get money? Yeah. I knew he had a gun. And I know he probably would have killed somebody if they Oh, for refused. sure he would have, yeah. But, like, I would have been like, don't I know you? Because, <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, I don't know. But there are better things to do than this. <laughs> I just wish that um they would have sh- talked more about, like, what they said or did. Mm-hmm. If, they, if there were any people in the bank. Like, who, did anybody see this? Or was it just, did the bank just open? Because it was 10 a.m. when it happened. So maybe no one was in there yet. I don't know. But I just wanted to know more about the bank robbery because I like yeah. I like bank robbery stories, but I couldn't find I, anything. I do, too. <sighs> well, I guess if you live in Iowa, check on your kids. Make sure they're not making meth in your basement. Doing meth. Meth uh, in the barn. Meth in the old shed down the way. Meth in the well. Make sure there's just no meth. Watch out for meth. <laughs> <laughs> this is a cautionary tale. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, twists and turns. My story is about the, um, I, honest to goodness, I don't know if it's Edinburgh or Edinburgh, because you know how Americans Edinburgh. are with, um, you know, Edinburgh. foreign names. They don't necessarily say them right. It's um, probably Edinburgh. Yeah, right. Anyway, so the Edinburgh Manor, which is in somewhere, in Jones County, Iowa, my sources are edinburghmanor.wixsite.com wikipedia paranormalmilwaukee.com and the from 1880 to the 1940 census i did go through and independently read each census available online and that's how you know we're dedicated (laughs) and why everybody should sponsor us because we are poor and still doing the most for about youth (laughs) Probably five listeners out there. <laughs> we really do be putting in the work. Each individual census. Um, in the next episode, I will read the article word for word and point out the typos. No, that's, that would <laughs> definitely be a copyright issue. <laughs> um, I will not. And that obviously does not have the 1990 census because that one, they all got burned in that Chicago fire that that cow started. Nice. Not even joking. The majority of them are gone because they all burned up in the Chicago fire. Well, everything was destroyed in that fire. 
There's a lot of things to do with, but specifically the 1990 census was. Yeah. Okay. So here's. Wait, where is this from? Iowa. Oh. That was just the. That was where the federal records holding building was. Okay. Um, that burned the ground. So the town of Edinburgh was originally planned to be the county seat of Jones. Jones County. Um, in 1840, the land. Um, what? Don't know. Oh, I just. Type, it's a typo. It says down and not town, and that's why I was very confused. So in it happens 18, to me so often. So in 1840, um, the land for the town was deeded to become the courthouse. Like that was there was a grant that it was like a presidential grant money was going out to just establish counties better, basically make sure they all had courthouses and such. Mm-hmm. So that this was this um this location was chosen to be the county seat because it's smack dab in the middle of the county. But nobody lived there. There was no people there. They were just going to build a hort- courthouse and hoped the people would come. You know, if you build it, they will come. Iowa has a thing about them thinking that works because that's, you know, where the Field of Dreams is, too. Um, well. <laughs> so a few years later, they realized that's a terrible place for the county seat because they hadn't, like, built it yet. It was just still waiting to get done. The money was in place. They decided um, it made no sense to build a county seat where no people lived, so they changed it to Anamosa, where there was already, like, a genuine population established, which makes so much more sense (laughs) than building it in the smack dab in the middle of nowhere. So the grant money was instead used to build a different county building, because that's basically what it was. It was grant money to just beef up the county, but it had been granted for this location, so they had to use it there. So they built the county poorhouse instead of a courthouse so now they have a poorhouse in the smack dab middle of nowhere it was described as a comfortable retreat for the lazy able-bodied and willingly dependent applicants (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry like when it was built that was what you know people who despised the concept of poverty or anybody who might need the help of a poor house. Because a poor house is not just for the poor. It is for the people who are, are poor like and homeless and such. Yeah. But it's also for like the disabled, the elderly, random loose orphan children. Like it, it's, it's there to help anybody who does not have a place to live. So it's not necessarily because they're poor. Like the incurably insane and disabled go there. That's Those are not my words. Those are words I read from sources. <laughs> So like it's 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 a poor house and a sane asylum, uh, you know, old folks' home, an orphanage, all of the above, all at once. So to talk so down on it is very rude. Because like you know, the blind and deaf go there because they can't do anything else. Yeah, <laughs> they're not definitely not willingly choosing to be that way. <gasps> Puppies, sissy, what a good deep bark. So strong. Wait until Finley goes out. Dad, you need to take Finley <laughs> on a walkabout or he will not stop. He is losing it his mind. It is urgent. He is simply losing his He mind. must go on a small hike in the backyard and only Grandpapa can take him. So ridiculous. Do you think he's done? Sounds like it. <laughs> so, I'm um, going through through the census records, I found that, like, there's, like, every 20 years a new family was running it. These families 
always had young children. Like, it was always, like, a husband, a wife, and, like, their two three-year-olds. Like, <laughs> and then a few um, hired help. I think the max amount of hired help I ever saw in there that wasn't the family was, like, four more people. Yeah. Um, so it was, you know, real few and far between staff-wise, even though, depending on the population present, they definitely would need more staff. So the tenants, or if you get into more recent records, because originally they liked the tenants, so like lodgers that lived there, the census is kind to how they record these people. Later they're like, no, they're inmates. And they're recorded in the census as inmates. <laughs> All right. Even though they can like willingly leave if they want to. <laughs> they're inmates. Um, anyway, so the tenants were given shelter and food for their work on the farm, which was a combination of agriculture and livestock. I guess they can leave, so it's not that bad. Mm, it's not they? quite cool. Can they I leave? mean, they're not making money to be able to go and afford something else in the future. So I'm thinking... So they can on... only leave if they have someone outside that can help them. Mm-hmm. All right. Exactly. All right. Or if they just decide to go try to make it on their own somewhere. All right. But if they have no help, they're stuck there forever. Like, they have no choice. Um, But... What was I going to say? People are staying there for a long amount of time, even if they don't have any. Because, like, the census will record if you're, like, disabled or have, you know, um, you're missing an arm or if you have some kind of illness that makes it so you're not able to work. Not all these people have that. Which means some of them are just poor and don't have anybody else in the world to, like, help them. So, yeah, they work on the farm. Um, Here's a list of honest-to-goodness random jobs that the census labeled these people as having. Okay. So most were um, generalized laborers, like servants or housekeepers, um, or like farmhands. Like, they'd be one of those, you know, like, the men were all mostly farmhands, the women were servants and housekeepers, um, because both men and women were kept in the facility. Others had oddly more specific occupations, um, and the ones that were listed were drag man, no clue what that is, fiddler, didn't know that that was something drag like man. a drag man. There's like multiple options of what that could be, and they did not tell me what they were, <laughs> and none of them apply to working on a farm. <laughs> maybe, so, maybe he, they like pull the... Like an ox? I That's what I assume it means, but that's not a dictionary <laughs> definition for that word. I looked it up. So there's drag man, fiddler, because apparently that was a very that was a necessity. Yes. Basket maker. Okay. That one makes a little bit more sense than fiddler. Um, um, mechanist. So I assume he's maintaining machinery. Salon keeper. So he just does hair? Shaves hey. people? I don't know. Sweeps the floor? I no clue. Um, and then there was one person in the 1880 census who was marked as a, you'll never guess, um, sailor. What? <laughs> I don't know if that meant they used to be a sailor and that's still just the title they keep or what, because there is no water <laughs> that is sailable anywhere near um, Jones County, Iowa. <laughs> Like, they're not even on a river. <laughs> nice. 
So if an inmate died on the poor farm, most of them were buried in a pauper cemetery that was located on the property. Um, it's also, some of them are also recorded as having been buried in various local cemeteries where they had like some kind of distant relative. I found a whole bunch of records of people being, people that were on my list of having died there and also then being buried not on the in the pauper cemetery. Yeah. So... I'm not sure how many actually ended up there because a lot of people did not, based on what I found. Like, way more than you would have thought for it being a poorhouse. Yeah. Um, so, the number of inmates varied. So, for example, in 1874, which is really close to the, when it opened, which I think was like in the, I think it was like 1870 when it finally opened or something. It opened much later than when the money was set down for it, but I don't remember exactly. I don't think anything said. Um, there were 11 inmates anyway that year. Yeah. And they were, this is the list of their, their diagnoses was one was just insane. One was nearly legally blind, which probably just means legally blind. <laughs> yeah. One had fits, so epileptic, mm-hmm. and the rest were an equal number of poor and elderly. Nice. All right. Versus other years, there were like 60 people living in it at once. It does not get bigger. <laughs> yeah. Like 11 is a healthy number. 60 is not. So children, when present, based and this is based on my research, um, like with the senses and stuff. And there's one other, someone had a brief list of a really select time frame that I got to look at that um, had a whole set of tenant lists that were not, because so the census are only every 10 years. They don't record the people who are coming and going in between. And this other list had a whole bunch of the people that were going in between. So the children, when present, were almost always with their mother if they were under the age of 14. There was almost never a child there that was not with their mother. That's good. Um, Which is is saying something about various situations. There were a list. um, It was an even spread of unwed mothers, recently widowed mothers, and then definitely still married mothers with their children there. Which people who just no longer wanted a family. (laughs) No, they're there with their children. Well, yeah, if they're still married, why are they there? abusive husbands oh okay okay (laughs) i'm just thinking you can just send your wife away and also your kid which i hadn't heard of before but no no so so like for this there's i have a very specific example that definitely proves people were there escaping abusive husbands not to say that he was necessarily abusive but it's too weird not to be that in my opinion yeah so in the 1940 census the poorhouse listed a widowed woman like in the census she says she is widowed yeah and she has four children with her, three daughters and a son. And they're li- marked as living in this poorhouse. That's why I know about them. That same census, the next county over, the same woman, the same four children, um, plus an additional four children that were like hers, including an infant, like a new baby, um, we're living there with her very much alive husband. Her husband does not die until 1960. Interesting. 
and they're still recorded in the same census. And for me, that one is 100% she is running away for a time. Yeah. I don't know if she can't handle that new baby. I don't know if her husband is being bad, but I assume it's that second one, because why would she take children with if she was going through, like, super postpartum depression issues? Like, why would she take her children to a safe place the next county over if she wasn't trying to escape something? Because then she goes back and she is married to him until he dies. And then she remarries and seems much happier. So good for her. her. But, yeah, I don't think she was living in a safe environment. And I don't think those kids were safe. That's why she took as many as she could. Yeah. So for a time during the early 1900s, the inmate population was primarily people over the age of 50. So it became almost entirely an old folks home old folks home and then people who were um too disabled to like you know work and such and didn't necessarily have families who could care for them but there were very few poor people there like they weren't marked as that on yeah. that specific census those those multiple censuses sensei i don't have I don't a clue know. senses oh okay so either way this the the facility is can't have been the worst of the worst because for the 70 years that the facility operated around only about 80 people are thought to have died there if they have eight confirmed death records i mean obviously they could have just been not recording people um maybe those were just the ones that died during the census years that's the only time they bothered to report properly yeah but for as long as the facility was in operation, I say that's a pretty good number, especially when you're functioning as an old folks home too. Yeah, like people have to die at an old folks home. <laughs> it's part of the point. <laughs> um, so it doesn't seem that bad, and it seems safe enough that people are escaping there, like to there, to be safe. The poorhouse was used, the original poorhouse building was used until 1910 when the building was demolished and the now standing Edinburgh Manor was completed. So Edinburgh Manor is not the original building. That one was built in 1911. Before that, there was a different large county building that stood in the same spot. The current building is 12,000 square feet. It's two stories and has a basement. This building was also built to be a poorhouse. Like, that was the entire purpose of it. Yeah. Women resided on the east side of the building, and men were on the west side. This this facility operated into the 2000s. Um, In the 2000s, there were between 20 and 40 residents, and the facility ended up costing... Oh, what is that? Five hundred thousand dollars a year to maintain and operate it could be five million and i missed a zero i don't remember either way it was costly for very few people (laughs) yeah so in 2010 the facility is shut down and by this time it and it probably for a long time had been considered a dangerous and not conducive to having disabled people living in it kind of building. Cause I assume if it's not conducive to having disabled people living in it now, it definitely was not before there were any standards for that. Yeah. 
No way. It was probably not considered not that bad. Accessible, oh, like definitely that. not. Yeah. Just you could fall all over the place. Just so many places to fall off of. No even railings on stories. balconies. Windows open wide enough you can jump out of. Mm-hmm. You know. Normal um, insane asylum. <laughs> um. But it was, it was considered definitely no longer suitable for its job. Yeah. In 2010. The building is still full of medical documents. They sort of just, like, oh. shut down and left. So it's, it's full of medical documents and personal belongings. Like, everybody just I've left one day. I've like, always wondered why people are uh, able to do that. Um. Well, who are you going to pay to go get them? You just fired everybody. They no longer have their job anymore. Why would they come back and clean up? You had to hire a different service to go get those things. I suppose. <laughs> so in 2011... The manor was sold with plans of making it a bed and breakfast. You know, fun. <laughs> As one does. Um, and that has not really panned out, but it has since been opened for paranormal investigations. Yes, As a of means course. of preserving the building. They use the proceeds to maintain the structure. Well, that's kind of nice. What? How else are you going <laughs> to? Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to end up looking like that uh, That nunnery that we found in that Zell, was so South Dakota. cool. That was so cool. We need to look into that. It's got to be haunted. <laughs> There's a cemetery right next to it. It's a cool looking cemetery, be. too. Now for the paranormal. This one was really fun because the Milwaukee paranormal investigators did, like, a great job, like, like documenting documenting their experiences and other experiences they had heard of. So, they're, like, they're very clear stories. Yeah. And they gave me, like, floor locations, even. They, like, they split it up. This is the first floor. This is what happens. Second floor. This is what happens. It was really easy to read. Um, so, thank you, Milwaukee Paranormal Investigators, or whatever your actual full name is. Um, so, on the first floor, the spirit of a young girl named Susie is said to roam the hallways, laughing, singing, and playing with toys. No, thanks. Um... Susie did not seem to live there during any of the, you know, 80s, 90s, thousands, tens. There's no Susie on those records, but it doesn't mean she didn't live there in between those 10-year gaps, you know? Yeah. Um, so Susie is said that she, that like the story goes of how, why Susie is here haunting this place, is that she was just dropped off at the farm one day, and that's all anybody uh, knows about her. Well. Which is entirely possible. Yeah. That that would definitely happen at a place like this. Um, much of her activity takes place in room 106. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, so I just started the paranormal portion of this, and it was getting dark at the same time, and I hadn't gone to go turn the lights on yet. Because, uh -huh. like, when it's light out, I don't turn the lights on. Why would I yeah. waste electricity? <laughs> it was just gotten dark enough that I was like, you know what? I need to turn the lights on. <laughs> I look over and I only see Jim's eyes. <laughs> like she has no shadow, no shape, just eyes. And it's just like, oh, I, I genuinely screamed and jumped. <laughs> like jumped out of there in a way, which made Jin, you know, just. Because <gasps> <laughs> she it was just you know, a nightmare scenario where you just see eyes in the darkness. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, that, that's Susie. She does most of her singing and playing with toys in room 106. And my cat scared the crap out of me. <laughs> Thank you, Susie. Um, so in room 121, a male spirit is supposed to 
generally exist. Um, like that's his primary space of, of haunting. But he sometimes likes to walk down to room 108. I don't know if that means sometimes he's also experienced in 108 or sometimes he's seen walking down to room 108. I don't know which one. But I like that he clearly has his own space, but then also has a place he likes to visit. <laughs> yeah. And, and then in room 105, there was alleged, allegedly a brutal rape. I started that sentence way too chipper for the end of it. Yep. <laughs> so this room is said to have general paranormal activity along with a uh, bad vibe. Well. You know, there, there seems to be a reason for that. Yes. If that's, if the story for it is true so that's that's the first floor not terribly haunted just mildly haunted <laughs> like you could definitely work there with that level of haunting <laughs> yeah so on the second floor the owner of the building is said that they once tried to spend the night in room 200 which is located at the top of the staircase they felt pressure on their big toe like, someone was squeezing it, like, while they were trying to sleep it, in the room. Squeezing um, it? Yeah, like, there's someone was squeezing their toe. <laughs> Ew. But okay. At the same time, their dogs started growling and barking with their hackles up. Like, they're feeling the, the toe squeezing at the exact same time that their dog is very agitated by something in the room. <laughs> yeah. Um, later... Their nephew and a friend were like, we want to investigate the room where you experienced this spooky thing. So they went there and they got an EVP that said, I grabbed you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh you can't even be scared by that. No, you can't. <laughs> I grabbed you. <laughs> I mean, Which is, I mean, it's just, it's just the tell, oh, ha. <laughs> yeah, who's touching freaking toes? You. That's not cool. I don't know. People who just want to mess a little bit, but not... They don't want to scare you. They just want to, like, ha ha ha. <laughs> so, also on the second floor, an apparition of a female figure dressed in a white dress. An apparition. An apparition. <laughs> an apparition of a female figure dressed in a white dress um, is said to stand at the top of the staircase between noon and 2 p.m. You know, a normal and haunting all- time. No, at the same spot. Oh. <laughs> I was like, she just stands there. At okay. the same spot, there's um, people have witnessed a white mist just like near the ceiling. So just generally, it seems to be a haunted area, and she yeah. only has enough power to show herself <laughs> between noon and two after she had lunch. <laughs> yep, Duh. that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Needs her energy. The mist. Um, the the Milwaukee investigators were like. They're like, you know, the mist also might be like a weird atmospheric thing that is happening with as the sun starts to set right there for some reason, which which totally makes sense. I'm happy they're actively debunking yeah. while telling stories. Um, So they're like, yeah, no, totally. People do see someone there, but also the mist might not be paranormal. Yeah. <laughs> There's also a fire truck that seems to move throughout the first floor. I don't know if that means it rolls around. Why did I picture a full? you see a fire truck driving through the building i did now that's hard to believe but i'd like to see it no like a toy fire truck i don't i don't know if that means it like rolls down the hall or if it just like you know 
it they left it in room 201 and now it's in room two, you know 210 because somebody else moved it yeah Ex- exactly or like because someone just moved it there but you didn't remember anybody doing it I'm never as convinced when things move throughout, unless you're by yourself, like genuinely live there alone. But then I still move things and forget I do that all the time. Yeah. Unless I see it rolling down the hallway by itself, and no. I definitely didn't put it in the hallway, because no. why would I do that? That's dangerous. <laughs> so that's the second floor. Still not entirely upsetting. Yeah. Just... just... See, honestly, this population seems quite pleasant. This ghost population. Just mildly spooky. Yeah. Um, so in the basement, an appar- apparition. An apparition was there. <laughs> apparition of a tall man in a brown wide brim hat and long duster coat um, has been seen in the basement kitchen office and apparently also only appears in the basement kitchen office between noon and two. I don't know what's up with that. They all have a lunch as the ghosts. <laughs> and then they have enough energy to do everything they want to do. Move, you know, drive a full-size fire truck through the second floor. The sun's at the right point yeah. for them. They gain power from that. I don't know. The moon. But it's funny that there's two separate ghosts that appear during that time frame. And I don't think it's, like, that entire duration. Like, if you just go there during that time, they'll definitely be there. I think it's, like, if they're going to show up, it will be between at that those time. times. Yeah. So... You know, happens. I like that they're all on a schedule. They're all on the it's same great. schedule. Yeah, no, it's this seems very convenient. And if you don't want to see them, you know, just don't go there during that time. Exactly. So, doors in the manor are said to open and close as they please, but that can just be a pressure thing in an old building. I never have much, give much credence to opening and closing doors. Um, the owner's dog is drawn to the lower floor's staircase. And I don't know what that means on the first floor looking down. Or in the basement looking up. Either way, it likes the staircase that leads to the basement. In a good way or a, a scared way? I think in a concerned, what is that thing doing there way. Oh, okay. You know, like when Finley looks at your cat? Yes. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Stop that. You can't be there. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the impression I get. <laughs> All right, well, maybe I did get a demon. Um... <laughs> This is proof. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the better known haunts at this manor is that of the Joker. Like that's that's the name for this entity, just the Joker. So the apparition is said to appear as a tall, thin man with a um, malevolent demeanor. So he's oh, not yeah. good. <laughs> um, he's said to inhabit inhabit the basement. And wanders between the rooms, and is but is encountered most often in the boiler room, and the little, probably form no definitely formerly padded. <laughs> I read that wrong. So there's the boiler room, and then he shows up in the padded room. It's no longer padded, but it was the padded room, and these two rooms are on the polar opposite sides of the basement. So it goes runs the gambit of the basement. Why is it always evil people in the boiler room? You know, it's a great question. Just always. Maybe they like heat. They get cold. Because they're demons? Probably. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> I have no explanation as to why the mad spirits are always in the boiler room. Um, so he's also said to throw dishes on the floor of the basement dining room, which is rude. The very. Um, Zach Beggins claimed he was possessed in the padded room. <laughs> 
<laughs> and that's reading that sentence is when I realized I did know this place. <laughs> like I've definitely heard about this place before, but whatever narrative they told about this place was not well researched at all. Seems about right. <laughs> because I feel like I would have remembered What's the name of the These things would have come up. Um Edinburgh Manor. I don't know if I, that rings a bell, but I bet you I've seen the episode. Like, if you looked at the place, you'd recognize it. Like, the building. Um, so, it is believed that the Joker was held for a time in the padded room, which makes sense. That's why else would he, you know, be in there all the time. And that they eventually committed suicide by hanging. I do not know where they got that from. I think they just decided he killed himself, and you that's know, why he's stuck there. Th- he just likes to make things up. This looks no, like this the place that Zach we... Baggins didn't say that. Oh. This looks like the place that we stopped at in Missouri, outside Kansas City. There's a period of time in history where all buildings look Doesn't the same. It? <laughs> it's cool. Oh, yeah, it's a cool-looking building. So, two investigators were in the basement. This is the, the Milwaukee investigators. Um... They were walking down the main basement hallway, and one investigator felt the second one pull on her arm as if to stop her. And like, oh, wait, wait a second. And she turned around, and the other investigator was in another room at least 20 feet away. So there's people get... No. There's, physical touch seems to be a thing here. Like, it's you a no for touched. me, <laughs> But it wasn't mean, though. It just... He was telling her you got too far away. Just goofing. New boot goofing. Um, just out there goofing. And another person felt a hand on the back of their neck accompanied by a cold and then burning hot sensation that left a temporary red mark. But it wasn't, like, mean otherwise. Like, it wasn't a scratch. It wasn't being strangled. It was just a touch. I, these seem like pretty safe ghosts. Yes. Like, if you wanted to have a paranormal experience and were worried that bad things might happen, but if you go here, I think you'd be okay you can be like Unless a little you're Zach Baggins, and then you just get possessed oh, you automatically get you possessed. Go. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, it happens to the best of us. Um... It happens to him more than most, though, <laughs> for sure. More than all, I can't remember more, the last time. More than all, I would say. <laughs> more um, than all, I would say. So other other sources that I read that weren't from the Milwaukee the Milwaukee group were um, whistling, singing, and a hacking cough have been recorded um, in the manor. Was I there? <laughs> was it me? It's just you. Was it me? Too bad you can't whistle, so it can't be you. It was the hacking, the hacking cough. <laughs> that's just you. <laughs> they heard um, me all the way from home, actually. <laughs> An echo heard around the world. If I... <laughs> Good old winter time. What time of year was it? Is it? Was it winter? They didn't tell me when it was. It had to be. <laughs> It was me. I was there. It's like that uh, thing. Also, where you a whole know... bunch of old people have lived and died here, Audrey. All old people have a terrible it's hacking cough. Me. <laughs> Not as bad as me. Or like just toddlers when they have their tongues sticking out. They're <coughs> <laughs> so freaking disgusting. <laughs> Can't handle it. Um, other things that have been witnessed are dark shadows. Um, orbs and faces appear in photography pretty often. I like that. Mm-hmm. And then um, choking sensations have been experienced separate from that lady who had a hand on her neck. Okay. Um, and choking in what way? Like you're choking on something or someone is choking you physically? You know, they, they did not specify. 
Well, then maybe don't maybe swallow it's just your you. cough drop. Maybe it's and, the dust. You know, you're just allergic to the mold that's there. Maybe you have allergies. Maybe you should be wearing an air filtration mask. Who knows? Know. Anyway, this is that's the, the Edinburgh Manor. That's a good one. Iowa. That's a good one. I thought it was fun. That's a good one. Oh my I God. just liked looking at the long lists of people who were, were in there. The, yeah, that was really fun to like read through all of those. No one had like a good story because there's not a lot of information on them. And yeah. these are like the lost people of history. Like there never will be information on most of these people, just because there's a reason that's they're at the poorhouse. Yeah, the that's census. the fact that the census recorded them is a miracle, basically. Yeah. Pretty interesting. <laughs> Where it's, it's it's now they're still present in history, and they wouldn't have been otherwise. Yeah. Especially the ones at Popper's graves. Uh-huh. Especially considering the number of medical records that are still sitting in the building. Not accounted for appropriately. Well, they think they're kept. still there with people going in and investigating? I think they just save them. They just all have them, Frame them sitting in. where they go. Well, because it's a cooler experience to go and see the medical records where they were left, you know? I mean, not if they were left since 2010. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously some of them are recent. I don't know how many of them, like, what the age range is on them. Yeah. If they're but... old ones, kind of cool, I mm-hmm. suppose. <sighs> okay, well, um, she knows what we're Big doing. Big puppy Did stretch. you see that? Yep. She's like, okay, she well, okay, time to go. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You look like a kitty cat stretching like that. Good girl. You are so pretty, upper girl. Yeah, we'll go out in just a second. So, that is the end of our one-year anniversary episode. Um, if you want to support us in any way, follow us on Instagram. Follow our subscribe. Follow subscribe. <laughs> Subs- on download those podcasts you listen to. Yeah, leave reviews. reviews I want to say recommendations. Apple Podcasts on Spotify. On I don't think you can do that. I don't know where you can. Anywhere you can leave a review. Leave a review. Leave a review. Like us, review us, rate Share us. Share us, tell your friends about Share us. Share us, tell your family, because we don't curse because our family listens and we'll get in trouble. So it's As, like, fam- We talk it's... about terrible things, but we don't but have cursing. It's family friendly <laughs> for those kids' ears. Well, I mean, I was watching. I was like, we definitely would have listened to things watch- like this. I was watching murder shows on TV. When I was very young, so it's okay. I turned out fine. I have a house, so <laughs> and I'm 22, so I turned out pretty good. Um, what else? Oh, and I don't do meth. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and my dog know. is causing a ruckus. Okay. Um, what else can you do? There's, um, there's supporting links. We have a Patreon that no one uses. That's okay. We but, don't have anything on there for them to you get. Know, we have to put stuff on there yeah, for people to want it. I suppose. I suppose. Um. Anyway, New Year. Um. More content. Maybe every other week. Maybe every week. Just depends. We'll figure it out with with all of our new life. Hang changes. in there. Hang in there with us. We're trying our best. <laughs> We don't intend on stopping production. We just don't know how consistent it will be. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, don't mess with Ouija boards and try not to kill anybody. Bye. I think you switched that. Is that wrong? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what was the last time we recorded? 
Don't mess with Ouija boards and try not to kill anyone. No, you still did it backwards. Try not to kill anyone and don't mess with Ouija boards. Bye. Bye. <laughs>